In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. Episode number 56, today's guest, Amanda Nelson. Now, she is the author of a book called PatchedWings.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-E-D-W-A-N-G-S.com. We're going to talk about that, her amazing story, her rise from the ashes. She's an addiction butt kicker. She loves making strangers smile, and you're going to love her personality today as she shines bright on this episode. Please welcome to the show, Amanda Nelson. Hey, little babies. How Thank are you? Thank you so much. Man, Tony, I'm super duper amazing. How are you? I'm fantastic. You know, we ask the same question out the door to every guest who comes on the show. The one question is real simple. That It kind of paces us to get up Success Mountain and talk about some of our cliffhangers we've had along the way. So I'm going to be the Sherpa up the mountain. I'll get you to be the Sherpa down the mountain. What really that means is I'm going to try to lead you and then have you lead us all the way through to the very end. At the end of today's show, I call it the fulfillment round. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of random questions. There's no phone a friend, no lifeline. It's just you and me. Make up the questions if you need to, but have some fun with it. But the first question I've got for you today is, what is your definition of success? Loving life. For so long, that was such a challenge for me. And I feel like I've understood how to love life. And it sounds so simple, but that was a humongous task for me. That's it. Like, if I can wake up and love life every day, I'm good. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up. I grew up out in the boondocks of Mississippi. I'm a redneck from Mississippi. I grew up there. Right after high school, though, I always knew that Mississippi was too little for me. So right after high school, I moved to Florida. And then I moved back to Mississippi. And then I moved back to Florida. So this is my third time living in Florida. We're here to stay this time. But yeah. What would you describe if you had to like pick a couple words to describe your childhood, your upbringing? How would you describe it? I didn't think it was very traumatic, but looking back now, it had a great effect on my life. I remember riding my bike a lot and I used to pretend that bike was a Mitsubishi Eclipse and I would ride down the streets of Mississippi like, oh yeah, I'm pimping up in my Eclipse. I loved being outside camping, riding my go-kart, climbing trees. I should have been born a boy because I was the biggest tomboy you could ever meet. Getting Did muddy, you play sports dirty. growing up? Softball. Okay. What kind of student were you in high school? Up until about 10th grade, I was a straight-A student. My junior year, senior year, I almost didn't graduate high school. My daddy had to go up to the school and like beg them to let me get out the door. So I, up until 10th grade, amazing. And then you can tell something drastic happened in my life just by my transcripts. Like, oh, whoa, what happened to her? Yeah, I want to talk about your transcript in a little bit because there some amazing stuff has come from it, from dedication and hard work. Talk a little bit about your 20s. Did you stay in Mississippi or were you in Florida during the 20s? Both. So, so I came kept to, going back and forth. Yep. What were you looking for? I don't even know. I was looking for love, but I didn't know I was looking for love. In all the wrong places. Ain't that what the song says? Yeah, because I mean, your statement of like, you know, your definition is love life and then you're looking for love. And I know that there's something weird, but 
the stuff that we pursue, we often miss because we lose sight of what it is that we really, really want. So a little bit of your story is you got yourself into some issues, addiction, you got into legal stuff, it looks like from a nice mugshot of you. What really transpired to get you to kind of get to that part of your life? Oh, man. I think it was just one thing after another, like all these little life things just built up and they built up so much. And then eventually you're just like, whoa, how did I even get here? I don't even know. I remember sitting in jail my first time and I I just didn't feel like I fit in, but I did fit in because I got myself there. But my insides were like, golly, Amanda, what happened? And you know what's so funny is Amanda means worthy of love. And I was chasing love all those years whenever love was around me all along, you know? You know, the story, I've never been to jail. I've never sat in a jail cell. So I can't imagine what that would be like. What was the feelings deep down inside for you when you were like sitting there in that part of your life? How did you get yourself to get to the flip side, to flip the script, to say, I want to do different. I want to do better. Oh man, I'm super hard headed. So it wasn't that first time in jail. I can promise you because that first time in jail, it was probably four or five years after that, that I decided to, cause I got arrested again after that stint in jail. What were your main arrests for? Shoplifting in high school. The senior and junior year that you got into that kind of trouble? My senior year, I got arrested twice. One for underage drinking, throwing a party while my parents were out of town. The neighbors called the cops on me. I'm like, how dare you? I'm over here having fun. And then that same year, I was stealing from the Wally world and they caught me. I had stolen a lot up until that point, but this was the only time I went by myself and I was super cocky. I'm like, let me just load it up. And the cops met me at the door. They're like, no, no, we're going to put that stuff back. And you're coming with us. Damn. Yeah. So I started at a young age. Okay. So you got in some trouble with the law, found yourself in and out a few times. Let's speed up a little bit because I think the magic of who you are is what was your rock bottom? What was your kind of life changing situation that really caused you to say, all right, screw this. I got to wake up. I got to do things differently. Tell me a little bit about that story. The last rock bottom was I ended up on meth. And meth was the very drug I stayed away from for so long because it was like my intuition was like, "Uh uh-uh, that's about to take you out. And it did. It did just that. It took me out, took everything. My daughter didn't want to live with me. I caught my felony charge, which was embezzlement. So I started stealing at a young age and I didn't stop until I got that felony charge. And this is going to sound like a country song, Tony. My dog died. I got fired from my job. I got evicted from my house. Like I had nothing, nothing. And I was still kept going until on Mother's Day when my daughter came to see me at my friend's house I was staying at. I was just wallering like the freaking world did it to me or just blaming everybody. And she slammed the door so hard. Like my own daughter didn't want my only daughter, the one and only one I got. Didn't want to spend Mother's Day with me. And it it was like, okay, you got to wake up now. My greatest desire was to live in Florida because I just feel alive here. But for so long, the fear stopped me because I was a people pleaser for so long. But that day I was like, uh-uh, I'm going back to Florida. I'm not, it's time to make me happy. And I don't care what nobody else says. So did you go to Florida alone? I did. I drove down here. Oh, you drove. 
I packed up my car. I had $200, no job, no house, no nothing. I just came. How much longer after that did it take you to get clean? Probably about two months. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, one, you're in our community, Be Fulfilled, but also just your story's awesome. I love your motivation. I love, hey, man, I made the best. I'm going to go clean it up. You know, yeah, I owe you money. I'm going to pay it off. Like you have this determination. And I think I've met a lot of people in recovery. I met a lot of people kind of that have that mindset. But I got to tell you, it's not a lot. A lot of people will just switch, pivot and move on and they'll blame everything on somebody else and never take personal responsibility. And so seeing that you authored a book, your mission behind the book and trying to help get into treatment centers and just a lot of stuff about who you are and showing your daughter that, hey, it's possible if you have that desire to be honest, rigorously honest, how you can turn your life around, how you can change, how you can take personal your responsibility. I mean, the pink slip of your car, talking about where you go to college, like all of the gifts that I think you've learned that you deserve because you work really, really hard for them. What would you say is the biggest mindset of the 10th grader and Amanda today? What would say is the biggest difference? Or maybe did they just get connected again? And that person's always been there, just got discouraged and went sideways for a little while. That just gave me goosebumps for real. I never thought of it like that. That Wow. I think she got reconnected with who she really is because I think you get to, I got to a point where I was so determined to fit in, even though my intuition was like, don't fit in, like be different, be crazy, be weird. But I was too scared to be crazy and be weird and be my authentic self. And now I'm like, oh, hey, girl, we're back. We're back. Wow. Yeah. You just connected some dots for me there. No, because I'm I'm trying to connect some dots for myself, right? And I think a lot of times, I think we get lost on our journey. And I was listening to Jim Rohn today, and he always says, you know, basically life happens to us. What happens happens to all of us, right? But it's really the set of the sail. And how I set my sail is up to me. I think I jumped on a lot of people's boats and did a lot of mm-hmm. things like I wasn't supposed to. And so their sail kind of took me in different directions. And my moral compass was in somebody else's hands. I always take personal responsibility for my recovery, for all the damage I've done. But I use it as just a way of explaining like when I finally decided that enough, it was enough. And I got the moral compass back in my hand and I you know, created a relationship with a higher power that I really said, all right, you're going to direct me. I'm just going to be that person in the boat. You're going to steer, but I'm on board with you wherever we're going, whatever we're up to. I know that your boat, your vision for my life has to be better than the vision for my life because my life led me into some of the deepest, darkest places that I've ever gone. And it wasn't until I got that moral compass back that I really saw my true north and I've been working hard at it every day. So when I meet somebody like you, which is kind of funny, you said something in the beginning and I'm still trying to picture it. So I had a Mitsubishi Eclipse. That was my very first car that I could afford. My grandmother had passed, left me some money, and I bought a 1993 green Mitsubishi Eclipse. That was my, <laughs> that was my car. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, there's no coincidence. There's no accidents. We're just, we're having fun. We're doing life together. And I just wanted to say that because I think so much of life is all about alignment. And you got to find people that you align to. And the thing that people don't know, you were living in your car? Well, I wasn't living in my car per se, but that was the plan because I didn't really have an option. But it turns out I lived on a boat for a while. So, I mean, it was kind of a bigger car. You know what I'm saying? It was nice. (laughs) So when life brought you to your knees and you basically decided to make a change, what was your quick path out? How did you turn 
and reconnect and turn all of this around? How did you turn your life around? Because you're sitting in an office today. What kind of office are you working in? I'm an operations manager at a mortgage company. So I sat out for a second. <laughs> Investment, all the other stuff that you've done, and you you actually are putting in the time and work in society today, and you have the respect of your peers, and you've done a lot to turn it around. So I'm excited for everybody to get the whole story today. So when you were at your bottom, did you make a phone call? Did somebody stick out their hand and said, "I'll help you"? How did you get to where you're at today? You know what? I say this a lot in my story because I really feel like anybody can speak life into you. Whenever my daughter slammed the door in my face on that Mother's Day, of course, what did I do? I go to the drug dealer's house to re-up on meth because what? I mean, I got to get high. That sucked. That dude, I will be forever grateful for my drug dealer till I die because he looked me in the eyes and he was like, Amanda, you're too beautiful for this. You were born to do great things. And the moment he said it and I was ready to receive it, I'm like, I'm gone. I didn't really pick up the phone and call many people. I told my dad I was gone because so many people turned their backs on me. Like I had to, Amanda, you can do this. I had to start talking to myself in the mirror because honestly, nobody believed in me. Not one person was like, you go, girl. I know you're going to be successful. I know you're going to make it. That's not really how how it was for me. So my buddy that owned the boat, I hadn't talked to him. And because remember, I lived in Florida before I hadn't talked to him in probably 10 years. I was like, I don't even know if he's got the same number. I have no idea. I just called and he answered. He was like, okay, yeah, you can come stay on my boat for a couple of weeks. And it was just kind of like, okay, you made this connect. All right. What's the next right step? That's what I kept asking myself. What's the next right move? Because I couldn't look too far ahead on the road. I would get like, it would just be too much for me. What's the next step? I can't believe you mentioned that your drug dealer was the person who pointed you in the right direction, right? By saying some pretty straightforward and honest things, we are ready when we're ready and we can receive what we could receive. But we have to be, I think, you know, in my book, Recovery, it talks about, you know, I never sit and do nothing while waiting for God, right? I just do whatever is the next right thing, whatever that next right step, that next action. And then when you said, you know, your drug dealer is like, Hey, you're too beautiful for this. Like you need to go get some help. Basically you need to get your stuff together. And he doesn't sell to you. Right. And you then make a decision. You'll never forget that. Cause my friend who came in and rescued me told me, Tony, you know, when my buddy John looked at me in the eye and told me, he goes, you know, your life has meaning and purpose, but what you're doing right now doesn't. Mm. Right. It made me stop and wake up for a moment to say, what the hell have I been doing? And that's that reconnection piece. I like that because I think what it did is I was so disconnected from who I was as a person. My parents didn't raise me to be the person that I had become. I didn't want my kids to know their father the way he was. I did not want to treat my wife the way that I wanted. And once I got some of that realization, life changed. So life changed for you. You stopped that day. Did you have a treatment path? Did you have a 12-step program? Did you just get clean and sober on your own? How did that work out? Dude, I had no idea how I was going to do it. I had no clue. Actually, I didn't even really set out to get sober per se because I had a my parents had done an intervention on me a couple years prior and it was a traumatic experience. So I wanted no part of no rehab. Like and I didn't have money for rehab anyway, so that was pretty much out of question. And plus, it was like an institutionalized, uh, oh, it was so bad. But 
I started listening to personal development on the YouTube channel, like just Eric Thomas. He just over and over, he's like, do this. And I do this. And then just gradually like, oh, wow, I didn't drink or drug today or smoke a cigarette. Okay, let's do the same thing tomorrow. Like everything he told me to do, I just did it. And this dude didn't know me from Adam, but he told me, I was like, I know you just made that YouTube straight for me. Thank you, ET. One day I'm going to come to you and I'm going to thank you. And I did get the chance to thank him, you know, but it was like I said, if I look at the big picture, I get super overwhelmed. So I just have to take a little bitty baby, little bitty, itty bitty baby chunks. Like, okay. I love Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. If you if anybody listening today and want to learn more, we'll we'll drop a link at the end of the show. I got a chance to meet E. T. Great, great guy. My wife Amber and I were at an event several years ago and he stopped right in the hallway and just took a photo with both of us. But the He's one amazing. thing he says, you know, when you want it as bad as you want to breathe, right? Then basically ultimately you're gonna do something about it. So I love the fact that you woke up every day knowing that channel was for you. Cause I really believe that's how God speaks to me is through people. And I hear things yeah. all the time and I'm like, thanks man. I needed to hear that today. So you get some inspiration, you get a little bit of personal development in, and you know, his story is pretty crazy as well. Like if you really want to get to know ET, like he's got a crazy story. Now he's got a PhD masters. I mean, he's pretty phenomenal, but he was on the streets. He was like living on the other side. And so he made that decision too to change his life. And I love the fact that, he passed it on, you're getting it and you're passing it on and you're helping so many. I mean, that's that's what really life is for me is connection with people. So now that you're clean, now that you're living a good life, when you first kind of decided that you're going to get clean and get sober, did you have a lot of bills? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing. So I was whenever I was listening to ET, because remember, it's just me. Like, I don't I still don't have a cheering squad because people are like, they're seeing me because I'm post. I started posting about my story early, early on, but they're still skeptical. Like, yeah, we've heard this story before. So I was listening to ET and Les Brown and all them about chasing your dream, but I didn't have anybody in my ear telling me, but you got to have a job too. <laughs> like you got to have money coming in so that you can pay your bills because we had just gotten into this apartment. My daughter came back to live with me after a year of being gone. I quit drinking, smoking cigarettes, drugging and Coca-Cola and a teenager came to live with me. And then I decided to quit the job I had because I'm going to chase my dream, even though I didn't know what my dream was at that time. And the bills kept coming. And they kept coming. And then eventually they came to repossess my car because you got to pay for that. Apparently that was <laughs> uh, that probably one of the most painful experiences I've been through to have to load up your stuff out of your car in garbage sacks with your daughter. I'm like, I felt like such a failure. And then like two or three weeks after that happened, we got evicted because apparently you got to pay your apartment bill too, or your rent, or they'll kick you out. And they did. And I was on the streets with no car, no place to live. Here I am again in the same situation that I was just the year before. And I'm like, but I'm trying to do good now. I just don't get it. But what I looking back now, I had to relearn how to be responsible. And how to, I think a lot of people take for granted paying your electric bill or paying your rent. Like that's just something that people do. Well, for me, 
I had to relearn. That's a skill set. I had to relearn it. Okay, it's due by this time. We got to manage your money from here to here. And you got to do this and push this button and make sure they're paid. And it's a lot. I was like, my goodness. Like, I just had to start back from ground zero. You know, well, yeah, that's a couple times. So like, you know, small little steps, keep it basic and do the next right thing. Those are like great little mantras to live by in life, right? Those are simple things, hard to do, right? So now you have to eat the elephant instead of one big bite in little small chunks. So a little bit of your story is that you said you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do and what you wanted to become when you grow up. What did you do? How did you figure it out on this path now of like, I got bills, I've got all of these responsibilities and I got my daughter back and oh my gosh, I'm not where I want to be. How did you make the decision to get to where you are today? How did the script get flipped? It's still one step at a time. A lot of people, and sometimes I'm like, man, I'll, It's not that I'm envious, but I wish I had a clearer vision. I still like I can see it somewhat, but I wasn't one of those people where this is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Like I just know it and I'm going to go after it. It kind of just evolves day by day. And I still don't really exactly know what I'm going to be when I grow up, you know, but what I did know is I had to get a job and I had to get I started as a server. I had spent 11 years in the bank and mortgage field prior, and I thought that door was closed for good. I was just reflecting on last night. One year ago, I was at the restaurant serving, waiting table, serving one of the very things that destroyed my life. And then just little bit by little bit, because I think I've heard you say this too, we live in a microwave society where we just want everything like now. And my addictive mindset and behaviors is so much like that. And I have really had to do a lot of work. I'm still not perfect at it, but it ain't all coming at once. So you just need to take it, take your small wins, just like you're taking your small next steps. From a sobriety standpoint, how many years you got? A little over three. So you got three years. This is what my sponsor told me when I first came to Colorado. I'd been sober for 18 months or so, but he had said to me, Tony, how many years had you been using drinking, you know, and then how many years have you been clean? So I'm going to ask you the question. So how old are you? 37. Okay. So let's call it three and a half. So 34 years of your life, you were another way of thinking and doing and being and showing up and living life. And now three years, you've got this new mindset, this new way of living, this clean, free, you know, take personal responsibility, pay all your bills, do all the things that you need to do. So like you're such, you're in the infancy stage. You're like a child. That's what like I love to say. Like I'm just a little child, but I'm growing every single day. Like some days I crawl, some days I run, some days I cry, right? I'm still just a little baby. But I got to tell you, like, it's amazing to know a little bit about your story. And now like a year later, you're sitting where you're sitting. But this is just a small little glimmer of who you are. Because somehow you decided you wanted to write a book, patchedwangs.com, W-A-N-G-S.com. I guess maybe that's the way you say it in Mississippi. I I thought patch wings. I'm like, maybe that's how you do it, but I get it now. And then somewhere along the way, you wanted to go back and finish and get a degree or diploma and decide to go attend college, but you chose to go to what school? Penn State. There you go. And how did you get into Penn State? Okay. It's crazy. See, ET just totally unlocked me, just completely unlocked the true authentic Amanda. So two years ago on their podcast, Secret to Success, because I'm involved with his online Breathe University and like I'm super in their group. And 
So I was obsessive with him. So I listened to every day and, and one of their sponsors two years ago was Penn State World Campus. Mm. My dream school was Florida State and I went and toured the campus. I tried to contact admissions like five times and I could not get anybody to call me back. And I'm like, well, this is weird. Like I live in Florida now, you know, my dream school. No, like nobody called me back. Penn State, I applied. They accepted me within a week and a half. Everything was ready to go. They accepted me even with the transcripts that I had. I'm like, okay, this must be God's plan because my dream school didn't let me in. They wouldn't call me back and this door opened. So here we are. And I'm still like, I'm a student at Penn State University. Like I never would have dreamed that for myself. What are you pursuing? Human development and family studies. I want to learn. So I have the experience with addiction, 17 years worth of the drug, alcohol, street living. Now I want to go back and study the scientific. Like, why do we get into addiction in the first place? Like, I got a lot of unanswered questions that I'm seeking. How are you doing in school? Good. My GPA is a 3.6. Statistics is kicking my butt this semester, but this is my last week. I'm about to take my finals on that. I'm hoping for a B. But yeah, we're doing good. It hasn't been released to the public, but I'm going to give you all a little secret. I am going to be a speaker at a conference at Penn State. I auditioned. Yeah, I auditioned a couple weeks ago and they got the call. I'm like, me? They chose me? Okay, let's go. You know, if you were to put a list together of all the little accomplishments, you got to be so proud of what you've been able to accomplish in those three years just in recovery versus, you know, 17 years of drugging and drinking and doing the other stuff, right? Like the three-year accomplishment. I think that there is no perfectness, but what you're putting together is a really good sheet to live by and to raise your daughter by and that you can tell her every single day, like, look, mom's doing the best she can. We're making it and we're chasing our dreams. And so what would you say is your dream today? I think one of my biggest dreams is to show people that you can live a life full of joy on this side of addiction. Like you can chase your dreams. I think one of the reasons I'm so transparent with my stuff, like You're going to have stuff from your past or you're going to face stuff in your future, but you can still choose joy. You can still have a life bigger than you could ever imagine. And I really want to. So going back to my book, because I didn't go to treatment, I didn't do the 12 step. I didn't do NA. I completely did it with personal development. And I created my own path to sobriety. That's what my book is about is the little itty bitty baby steps I took along the way. And I really want that to get into treatment centers as an alternative, because sometimes the 12 steps doesn't work for people. It it didn't work for me a few years ago. So that's one of my passions. I'm on a mission to get that into as many treatment centers as I can. I like that. I've always said there's a thousand ways to get drunk and there's a thousand ways to get sober. You just got to find the one that works for you. Absolutely. Once you put the cork in the jug, then it's up to you to decide what you do from there. That's awesome. So we will make sure that the URL is available to everybody today. P-A-T-C-H-E-D-W-A-N-G-S.com. You can find your book. You got a mission behind your book as well. You want to try to get it into 200 treatment centers. How many are you currently involved with? 
I've got about 90 so far. I just got a call like two days ago. This church back in Mississippi is like, hey, we saw your posts. We want your books in our, I'm not really even sure which line of recovery they're doing there, but they we got a small group and we want your book there. I was like, praise God. Yes, you got so, it. Did you find it like a print on demand company to print your books or did you buy a whole run at first? How did that go? No, I did the self-publish and then print on demand. Yeah. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. I'm so excited for you. I think, you know, God places people in our lives for a season, reason, or a lifetime. My job isn't to figure out why. My job is to just do my part, which is to do the next right thing. And so I love that because that's my way of philosophy of life. Gandhi, you know, said it, you know, be the change you wish to see in this world. So do more good and you'll get more good back. And uh, yes. I'm excited for your mission. I'm excited for your education. I'm excited that your daughter gets to see you. I'm excited for your speaking career, excited for your book, getting out there and helping so many people. But I'm really excited for you and the person that you decided to choose to be today, how you got up and you're ready to go. And I commend you because you paid off your debt, right? You got your car and everything else manageable today where it's small bites. What's something that you've learned that you could drop as a piece of wisdom today for somebody who maybe is struggling a little bit listening to this interview that you could help them in their moment like E.T. did for you? Whenever I was getting evicted, it still gives me goosebumps, man. He actually had a conversation with me whenever I was getting evicted because I think sometimes we focus too much on the problem. And he said, if you just take this and hold on to it, everything that you go through is not about you. Sometimes you're going to go through some things that are going to be able to set others free later on because they're going to experience those same things. That's what kept me happy. I chose joy even during those hard times when I was living in the hotel, walking down the streets. Like It wasn't no Ritz Carlton either, but what I had to keep in mind is some single mom is going to go through the same thing and I'm going to be able to show a deeper level of compassion to them. And you know what? It happened. And I was able to help this single mama. She had gotten evicted and I was able to help her walk through it and just bless her in the way that people bless me. And I was like, thank you for choosing me because wow, even I turned my pain into something that could be used for somebody else's good. Yeah. I mean, that's the powerful part of what I think recovery is all about. Like, It's a shame that a lot of people who get clean, sober, you know, don't give back. You know, a lot of it is like one of my sponsors along the journey says, you know, what are you bringing to the table today, Tony? Right? Like, you know, it's really easy to go stand in line at a buffet and just be fed, but someone's got to wash those dishes. Someone got to go make the food. Are you willing to go get in line and help today and be of service? And, you know, you always got to be willing to give back because what was given to you can be taken away from you as you saw firsthand. And then the opportunity to get it back. I think you hold on a little tighter now. So what I'd love to do, Amanda, is take you into what I like to call the fulfillment round. Everything that we're talking about today, from your book to really who you are is going to be available in the show notes and contact information. You can reach out if you'd like to interview Amanda. Like I always tell people, man, like whatever you see on my site, you can have it on your site. All you have to do is ask and I'll make a formal introduction. 
I'm nobody special. I'm just uniquely me. And that is somebody who's dedicated to helping others. So that's why it was a great honor for me to have you today as a guest is just want to showcase who you are, let the world see you use my platform to help spread your message. Because I think recovery needs a voice that's loud. And it sounds like they've got a really strong girl from Mississippi with a little southern voice and she's ready to rock. So what I'm going to do is take you into the fulfillment round, let you have some fun. This also is just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better. So if you're ready, you got to say, I'm ready. I'm ready, Tony. <laughs> Best dish on a Saturday night you could take me to in Louisiana if we were going to hang out or Mississippi or Florida of your choice. Where would you say is like your favorite go-to meal on a Saturday night? You better go to this little hole in the wall. I don't even know if it's still open. It's called Rainer's Catfish. They got the best catfish in Mississippi, hands down. And the best, if you pass it, you'd be like, uh-uh, I ain't going up in there. So good. I like it. Uh, you listen to country music? Oh, yeah. All right. What country artist is going to sing your song backwards? Brantley Gilbert. Okay. He's sober as well. Is he really? It's our homeboy. Yep. I like that. Where do you see yourself in five years from today? Oh, graduating at Penn State and then speaking life into people, man. I don't know what that looks like, but I just know that I'm going to be their cheerleader. I'm going to be for them what I didn't have for myself. What's your relationship like with your parents today? <sighs> Me and my mom, we are we never really had a close relationship and it still remained the same. She just on this year told me happy birthday for the first time in three years. I was like, it actually made me tear up. We're working on it. It's a progress, a little progress here and there. Me and my dad, I've always been a daddy's girl, so I'm still a daddy's girl. We talk almost every day. I like that. What do you think your daughter would say if she was sitting in front of you right now telling you how proud she is of you? What kind of words do you think she would utter out of her mouth? Ah, uh, I think she would. I think she would say thank you for showing back up. I'm proud of you. I missed a lot. Even though I was present, I wasn't present because the beer or the drugs always was in between us. But now I try to be present to the point where she's like, okay, mom, I've had enough of your time. We are good. But I think she would be thankful, grateful that I showed back up. I love that. Here's your opportunity to say whatever you want to your daughter who's been with you through it all and even slammed the door in your face on Mother's Day and then came back. What would you tell your daughter? What would you say to her about what she means to you and everything that you get to see on a daily basis? I am just so proud of you, Alexis, for everything that you've been through. And then you can be successful at school and you got your job now. I'm just proud of you for showing back up. I'm proud of you for not following in my footsteps down that dark, lonely road. I'm proud that you learned from my lessons and you aren't hard-headed like me and you got to go figure it out for yourself. You're going to be an amazing contributing member to this society. Whoever hires you in the future, they're going to be so blessed. I love it. And I just, I really just want you to know it's such an honor to have you on today. Keep doing the things that you're doing. When you have doubt, I think you know where to go. I think you figured out a wonderful way to live life. You know, I quoted it, love life, right? That's your definition of success. And I think deep down inside, I think we all want to love our life. And sometimes 
We get into a few bumps in the road, but I think today you're driving a tractor or a big paver and you've got this way to just bulldoze through and say, hey, I'm here. I'm not giving up. So I want you to keep fighting the good fight. Take us on the journey. Keep sharing with us your updates. I'd love to hear when you blow way past 200 because I know that's just a milestone number you put in front of you. But I know you've got a lot inside of you. You're dedicated to much bigger than that with your degree coming soon from Penn State to everything that's going on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. It really means a lot that you said yes to uh, my request for an interview with you. No, I appreciate you. And I appreciate all that you do into this world. You give people like me so much hope. You have no idea. It's an honor. Appreciate it. All right. That is Amanda Nelson and patchedwangs.com. You can learn more. We got all the show notes and all the details for you today. Till next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.